Shi'ar Jeshub, Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut, welcomes you to this edition of Shi'ar Jeshub. Let's go right back into the current Heavenly Authority Sermon as Pastor Greg Scalzo teaches from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says in verse um, 23, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. Robinson gives an example in his uh, Greek study of the mother's womb, the mother's breast, so necessary to give life, so necessary to feed the child, and they're covered the unpresentable parts being covered, yet being so vital to human life. I remember talking to a woman with young Patty who was uh, giving out tracts and information in support of a Christian house that took in women that had problems. And she told us some of the things about her life, the terrible problems that she got herself into with drugs and men and all types of bad things that happened to her uh, over, I would say, about 20, 25-year period of life. And anyone listening to her would say, gee, what a, what a life this woman's led. You know, it didn't sound very honorable. But she had come back early on. She believed in the Lord, and she came back to the Lord. And when we prayed together, this woman had a gift of prophecy. When she, we started to pray and she started to pray, the Spirit of God fell. She was anointed with word of knowledge, with prophecy. God honored her. So... Greater honor is given to the parts that lack it. And this is the way the church works. Sometimes God uses those people that are weakest and in a less honorable position to bring forth some of the greatest revelation and power and understanding of his will and his word. We need each other, the weak and the strong, the honorable and the dishonorable. Every part of the body is necessary for the going forth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You think about the early church, right? You had fishermen here in the gospels anointed with greater authority than the learned scribes and priests and descendants of Aaron. Fishermen who could teach the word of God more clearly than a scribe that studied it his whole life. And many in the time of Jesus that were last became first. The Gentiles, the barbarians, with all their crazy pagan ideas, saw Jesus Christ and the people of God, the descendants of Abraham, the honored people, the chosen people, many of them missed him. The first will become last, and the last first. The book of 1 Corinthians itself, at the very very beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, Paul writes, But to those who are called both Jews and Greek, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, Not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. 
And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, the righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. Not many wise, according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. You can see, Corinthians, among yourselves, that many of you were in a position of being the last, and God is taking you in Christ Jesus and making you the first, and it gives glory to God that we don't glory in ourselves, but we glory in him. And so in the church, when you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, no, much rather, verse 22, those members of the body which seem to be weak are unnecessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God, but God composed the body, having given, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. God composes it. God puts it together. It's his design. It's not the way we think. It's the way he thinks. We don't have the body assembled according to our plans and strategy. Rather, God, the Spirit has gifted, depending upon the plan of the Father for the service of Jesus, each individual as he composes, as he determines, as he combines. God tempered the body together, designed it, and clearly here Paul rejects, as does the rest of Scripture, the Gnostic idea um, that comes in at this time and blossoms later on that matter, matter is evil and that physical organs are degrading and that is all, all that matters is the spirit. Christianity rejects that. That's Gnostic Christianity. That's not traditional Bible, true Christianity. When he gives the example of the body, the body is a noble item that God has created, and he uses the example of how the body is created to show us that God plans the body as a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so then the church is symbolized by the human body as a temple for the dwelling of God. Our bodies are not evil. It's a human spirit in a body separated from God. The spirit is not under the Holy Spirit. The spirit thinks he or she can do anything they want, and they're corrupted, their soul, their mind becomes corrupted, and their body becomes corrupted, and the world is corrupted. But that's not the initial plan of God. The material realm is not in and of itself sinful, because when Jesus Christ comes in, our spirits are reconciled to God, our minds are renewed, and our bodies are cleansed. And we are meant to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. There is a Gnostic concept, a cult on Christianity, and it permeates some, some cults today that everything materialistic and, and of the flesh is automatically evil. Well, we can be fleshly-minded, meaning that all we think about is satisfying our flesh, and that certainly is evil. 
But the body was created by God, and when he got done, he said, it is good. And Paul here shows the high image of God designing, planning, composing the human body, and likewise planning, composing, tempering, designing the church that Paul uses the human body to be an example of. And then he says in the end of verse 24, but God composed the body having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that why? There should be no schism, division in the body. That's the first purpose, no schism, no division. Remember, this is a church that has a lot of divisions going on. We've studied that months back, right? You know, we, we see this even clearer today. When we have a modern knowledge of biology, Paul's speaking about organs and and body parts, we know that you actually, we have billions of cells. And the principle that applies there, it gets even magnified when you think of how every cell in your body is necessary. And there are things going on in the cell that's necessary. And if one cell goes wrong, if one cell becomes cancerous, how that can spread to every part of the body. God desires us to work together for no cell to be at odds with the rest of the body, so that we're healthy, so that there's no divisions. And then what else does he say? Very important in that scripture. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. The same care for one another. No divisions. You should not be a divided body. You should care and have the same care. And understand you need each other. You're in this boat together and you are going to float or sink together, whether you like it or not. You need each other. You need to care for each other. And that word for care means careful for, take thought of, be anxious for the other person. You know, I have seen a lot of different twists in this talking to people on Christianity, and there are some that if they accept Jesus Christ and they know they have salvation— and they know they're going to heaven. Well, that's it. And God will take care of everybody else. And there's no anxious concern or care. What do I need to do? Now, if God has blessed me, what do I need to do to bless the body of Christ, to, to make this go, go forward? And they become very complacent themselves, and they're not even aware that they're supposed to care. They've heard you saved by grace. I'm saved. I'm set. I'm satisfied, I have my bonds filled, what else do I need to know? And they forget that we're called to care for one another. And you know, this care is not just by words. And another thing that comes into the church, which is very disturbing, I know a woman that almost like every other sentence was, nobody cares for me, nobody cares for me, nobody cares for me, right? And she was a member of the body of Christ, she believed, and all she saw was, what was being directed in her way? What was being done for her? Nobody cares for me. Nobody cares for me. And yet, when you if you stood back and stood back and you analyzed the woman's life, she never really showed any care for anybody else. And her family was destroyed. Relationships were destroyed. And she even was responsible for interfering in the work of the Lord. Because to her, care meant. What are you going to do for me? When this is saying, 
what responsibility do I have to you? It's very easy to take scripture and say, yeah, that's, that's true. Nobody cares for me. But do I care for somebody else? Do I care for what my husband or wife is doing? How they're, you know, laboring for our family? Do I care for my children, how I bring them up to make sure that they grow in the knowledge of the Lord? Do I care for my parents to know that they have peace of mind as they grow older? Do I care for my neighbor to want to see the gospel go forth to reach them, the people at work, that they hear the word? Do I care for the work of God? Do I support the work of God with not just words, but with actions and deeds? Do I care for what happens in the life of my brother and sister? If I see them toiling for the Lord, do I care? Or do I sit back and just desire to receive? Now, there is a part that we need to receive. Sometimes we become so prideful, we can't receive. You know, we need to be able to receive care and give care. And then the body works together. Every cell needs the other. But when it's always a one-sided street, that's not care. That's focusing on self. We need to be able to receive care, but we most importantly, when we read this, have to say, how do I provide care? How do I give care? That the body would be whole, that the body would work together. Join us at shiarjashub.org to experience our redesigned website features, including special messages from Pastor Greg Scalzo.